and welcome to a very special episode of Tom Talks. I assume that you're aware at this point that we here at Southern Tom Foolery, there you go, have finished not just book one, not only books one and two, nay, nay, not even just books one, two, and three, but the entirety of our first whole adventure path against the Aeon Throne. That considered, you could say today's Tom Talks is a pretty big deal, and in that spirit, I'd personally like to consider this episode, more than anything, a celebration of this major milestone. So, congratulations, guys. Yeah. Go ahead and play it again, man. There it is. Got it in one. The, the greatest phone app you can ever download. Oh, uh, I actually went back uh, yesterday just out of nostalgia and listened to some of the very first stuff we ever recorded back in the 5e days. And, uh, I mean, don't fault me for tooting my own horn, but we've gotten better at what we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say I, I, the, those 5e recordings, while they were, they were fun and uh, formative for us, uh-huh. You guys are glad that we didn't start with that. I'll yep. tell you that. Yeah, yep. let those yeah. forever stay in the archives. Yeah, yeah. Sound. I mean, the sound quality is shit, but we had a great time. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, anyways, let's get excited. And who better to further that cause than our very own em- Emily Summerlin? What's going on in Emily Land today? Oh my god! I'm first. Uh, <laughs> I, are you man? I'm just fucking kicking it kicking it with my homies virtually um just sort of excited that we're wrapped it up we wrapped it up mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. emily's words haven't gotten any better <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some things will never change uh that's a song uh i'm good man hey heath hey you i'm good i'm good i'm here with uh you beautiful people and i got my ham horn phone app so life is good <laughs> living the dream yeah uh one other thing i'd like to celebrate is the glorious mustache that my good friend josh richards has been rocking lately <laughs> so how are you good sir man i'm doing great i'm mustache to hell and back you're doing and, great uh, josh doing great. <laughs> doing great. your mustache is doing great yeah you're no, man, it's, nothing, it's man. awesome to be here. i can't i can't believe that we're actually like we did it yeah, we we yep. finished. They we beat we, we beat Starfinder. We, we beat it. Starfinder. We're done. We beat it. Yeah, we're done. We're done. So it does help game. that it's half, yeah. it's half the length. You know what I mean? Of a normal. Yeah, I mean it's a three book AP. Yeah. Not to <sighs> that, not to ruin the mood. You know. No, Emily did that. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. Uh, so, uh, what would a celebration be without a few mu- musicians? As we've said before, Adam, Zach, and I became friends after Zach and I uh, became fans of Adam's band and formed Idiots. one or two of our own. <laughs> yeah, no, who are we thinking, dude? I, he, he says that jokingly, but I bought his fucking CD in a thrift store for like 75 cents the other day, so. <laughs> how are the That's how you know you made it, my guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm in thrift stores now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I've partied with these two more than anyone else in the crew, honestly. So Zach, Adam, what's popping? Pop, 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 pop. pop. <laughs> All right, that's copyrighted. <laughs> Is it? My I bad. Just, to, just blow know. the horn, Heath. Just blow yeah. the horn one more time. Yeah, one more game. Just get it out, all out I of mean, your system, if, dude. If I must. <laughs> there it is. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> That's gonna that's gonna be I great mean, in post. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, we're actually getting together with 
my bands this weekend for the first time in months. So, well, we did have that like one distance live uh, stream, but like to get actually get together and practice and learn some songs. So nice. That's about that. exciting. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I've always appreciated the optimistic outlook many people, particularly around New Orleans area, have that a funeral should be a celebration of life, not a morning of death. And to that end, I'd like to welcome uh, to the show the voice of our dearly departed Zeno Five, uh, Mr. John Thomas. <laughs> Hello, all my sweet, sweet people. Um, and you're absolutely right. Uh, New Orleans funeral is honestly the best fucking kind of funeral for that. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. have a fucking parade. Yeah. Yep. New Orleans is just waiting for an excuse to have a parade. <laughs> constantly, constantly. I mean, there's people Give lining up out front, so, There's people lining up outside my house right now just because y'all said parade. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so they like, heard it. That's like the Hannibal Buress stand-up where he's talking about how crazy New Orleans is. He said, I came down here and I looked in the phone book and called a parade. And, <laughs> and it was it was just me. And we, we had a parade for me. And we went outside and people started joining my parade like crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's surprisingly easy to do and something I think we should do at some point. For sure. Just, just build a parade. Yeah, yeah just do it, Southern man. Southern Tomfoolery Parade. Oh. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make See, a that's crew. that's the thing, though, is like nobody in New Orleans would have a clue of why they were getting in the street to it celebrate. But we'd just be like, oh, fuck it. All yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I'll throw my beers. Let's do I'll it. break I'll out this, they, this they trumpet. Walk Come by on. And be like, all right, we'll see you. <laughs> I guarantee if we start walking down the street with a wagon of beer and playing Wolfpack, we'd be <laughs> yeah. we'd be oh, good Jesus to go. Christ. That's good already to, yeah. a parade. That's already yeah. 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 yeah, I mean the standard for what is classified as a parade in New Orleans is like super low. So like the six <laughs> well, of us with Wolfpacks, like that's a parade. So people will join. Everybody's about a parade. But there is there's a pretty high standard for what constitutes a good parade. Legitimate, I'll say that. A yeah, legitimate, like a good parade. Yeah, that, yeah. That you you will get ranked as you parade down the streets. You know what I mean? People be like, "Oh, that parade, they barely stepping." You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta. I mean, it may be a very small parade, but if it's hype, it will grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking of the death of Xeno Five. Uh, that brings up the fact that we had a few deaths in the finale, and I'm going to go against the common wisdom of looking back at this adventure chronologically. Uh, those deaths, particularly Xenos, are still a bit raw, and I wanted to talk about them um, and what those characters meant to us. Um, I, damn, I didn't download the Sarah McLaughlin app. I just got oh. the ham horn. Beautiful of post, you know. I, I mean? appreciate yeah. you didn't. I will remember <laughs> nope. you. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> That is forever um, so, the ASPCA song. <laughs> You're right. Um, so to, to begin that conversation, I've got a, a listener question from Giuseppo. How is pronounced this wrong? Giuseppo. Yeah. Uh, was John in on the ending with Zeno? I'll let John answer that question. Uh, so I think, okay, and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it was around like the mid 40s that we were in the content and it's like, we were actually in the culmination of like character creation for Hacky Sack Heroes, it's like right after uh, New Year's Eve. And of course, Adam approached me one night 
And he asked me, you know, like, you know, the usual lead up questions until you get to the real question of like, you mm-hmm. know, it's always like, how do you feel about Zeno? You know, you want to take him into signal screams, you know? So yes, while there, there was collaboration, but see, the thing was, was that Zeno has this vague ever pursuing goal and that can't be satisfied by an AP. Okay. So, but at the end of all, for this to happen, Zeno would have to, uh, like, yes, there was, uh, this was all, like, decided, like, before, but there was going to be no hand-holding. So, in other words, I would have to have survived the rest of book two and all of book three mm-hmm. for the ending to actually culminate, to, to actually happen. Yeah, otherwise it would just be like okay, and uh, Zeno dies. That like okay. Adam yeah. seemed like he was straight up trying to murder Zeno prior to that. Dude, this was before fucking Go- like the escape from Golta. Okay, well, so 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 yeah, I'll I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, in episode fifteen, Zeno's first flashback was when he un- unleashed the the purple EMP blast or whatever you know the the cross space and time blast when he tried to create his own drift beacon and so that was like where I had the first nuggets of an idea of doing something kind of like meta with Xeno but you know we were very early in this and I didn't want to lock anything in I didn't know where John was at at all with with Xeno and I didn't want to force anything too hard or anything like that but that him being so interested in drift and then having a character choice to want to be like making a different version of the drift. And then me knowing that the rune drive is the end game of this AP. It was just too juicy to not like kind of tuck away. So you flash forward to episode 30 where Zeno gets his eye ripped out and he has a flashback there of multiple different Scenes. That was the one was with like a lot of quick scenes. And I planted a seed there. And again, this is before I had talked to John, but I planted that seed there as a thread that I could pull if I decided it was going to be something we could do. This is new to me. I didn't even know that. Wow. Um, and, but at that point at episode 30, that's when I was like, okay, I want to do this with Zeno's character, but. I have to prove to myself that I'm not going to give Zeno plot armor, which explains why I went after him so hard for the next 10 episodes, which was the escape from Golta. If he had died, he would have died in that every, anything that I had gelling at that point would have gone out into the trash, right? And we, and that would have been that. But like it was, it was kind of, you know, I'm, I'm like really pulling back the screen here, but it was like a test to see if Zeno was supposed to have that storyline. Was worthy. Not even if he was worthy, but like if he survives this, then, then he's supposed to survive it because this is, this is the story we're going. So he did survive. And so then that's about when I started talking to John and, um, with episode 51, Zeno Limit, that's when we like committed to the plot. But, you know, me, I told John before we put that flashback out, I, I wrote that one. I let him read it. I said, if we do this, we're committing to an ending to where 
like I told him who it was, who the faceless person was. You know, I was like, that's, that's you. You know what I mean? And I, and as John said, that's when he's, <laughs> I started picking his brain with some like build up questions to like, okay, at the end of this, Zeno goes away. You know, is that something that you're okay with? And we, we talked through it. And I mean, we decided that that was, that was good. Um, that was a good story for, for Zeno. And it, was also a good way to like really tie in the rune drive. So, I mean, so that's kind of how that all came together. But just and, to clarify, mm-hmm. I'm sorry from an outside perspective because I mean, none of us knew at all. There was if there was at any point where Zeno did not have plot armor, correct? Mm-mm. At any point mm-hmm. throughout the no. so. That's correct. That's correct. Well, and and, so, and like kind of the point you were making is that like you went after him so hard when we were fleeing the moon to the point that the fans bitched at you about it because you were kind of compensating for that. Like in a way, like I'm a, I'm well, a bust his ass. So they'll believe it when I write him out, you know? I mean, it, it wasn't, I mean, I, you know, we're, we're very thankful for our listeners, but I can't start writing bits based on, you know, people being mad at me. That's, that's not, yeah, that's sure, not, sure. that's not a good <clears throat> That's not a good way to write the story. But John did not get any freebies throughout this whole thing. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I didn't want John to die, you know, before that moment, because that's the moment that I was, you know, this beautiful scripted moment. But like, had the, had he gotten sucked through the, the, Stargate with the twin soul and gotten killed by the twin soul, then that would have been that, you know, and I would have had to scramble to write something else to deliver. But as <laughs> and, I, and we all would have destroyed the rune drive. <laughs> but as I, but as I said, I feel like you know, in a in a weird kind of like I know that this is illogical, but I still like to believe it. Way is that he was meant to make it to that point because that was the story, you know, like. That was the that was the purpose of the story and how you guys all got there. Like that's what ties it up so nice is that he created the loop to allow you guys for him to succeed at his quest and to also stop the Aslanti from succeeding at theirs. We're we're tied together, you know. And so I'm very thankful that he didn't die before. And you know, take it take it for what you will. But it was he did not. I can tell you from. That he did not have plot armor. Uh, just to add on to that, just real quick, I do want to give a give a shout out to Shao for like calling that. Yeah, uh, he did. Yeah, <laughs> like seriously, the real whisperer here about that shit. Like, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, yeah, just wanted to give a shout out. Stop to that. being so smart, fans. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we, need, we need y'all to dumb it down. I mean, he literally said like, "Oh, look, this would have to be like a perfectly closed loop." Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that the, That's the one notion. Theory. <laughs> Adam was just like, "Don't say anything." Like, bitch, no, nah, you know I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that notion, like, I, it's it's you know a a sci-fi trope, like the closed like time loop or whatever. But it's also right. incredibly sad because it's going to happen an infinite number of times, right? Like it, like in the past, that's going to keep happening. 
and coming to Man, the present. You know, we're getting we too out there for me, dude. Like, uh, I don't even want to explore the physics of this. This so, is just like, we'll, yeah, we'll be here all day. I don't give a shit. This is my show. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. the question. <laughs> Next time talks is only going to be about time loops. No, we'll, special get, guess. we'll get Josh on for a physics episode of well, time I'm talks. I'm not the right guy for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will say that I do know how dangerous it is to fuck with time travel when you're writing anything because it there you're just inviting plot holes and everything Absolutely. like that. And so... I, I'm kind of with Zach that studying it too intensely might pull away some of the magic of it. I tried very hard to make it as closed and without plot holes as possible. But as this story was developing over several weeks, you know, in real time, I'm sure that there's, there's bits there that, that aren't as clean as I would hope. Um, <clears throat> but I think that overall it worked. And I want to say thank you to John for being a good sport about that because I came to you about that just as you were sinking your teeth into Zeno as a character. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Like, exactly, exactly. You're doing a great right. job, man. Hey, how about we kill him off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Essentially. Kind of, kind of. That's kind so, of all Adam, it would be an honor to be murdered by you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, to that point, you know, you got to be careful with that. I think Heath even brought this up in some of our post-game discussions that you don't want to abuse that and over overuse that scripted exit of a character, right? Like that, because then then it then it feels cheap. You know. Well, the thing about the uh, the thing about a scripted sacrifice for that is, is that it uh, it places so much trust into your GM. To make sure that it actually works out, and you you have to you have to hand off agency for that particular moment to be handled by the GM. I mean, it's a big ask of, of the is. GM to a player, you know. And I'll say that John did not read that final sequence until like a week before we played. Yeah, so he didn't. I mean, all he knew was the basics of what he needed to know. You know, um, but I tried to keep it as much of a surprise for him as I could, you know, but do him the favor of letting him know that I'm going to, I'm going to pull this, this GM Fiat basically and say, this character's gone. Right. Yeah. We're pulling the batteries out of Zeno. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) so obviously we're moving on to Signal of Screams. Uh, You'll be playing some some new character we don't know something but um i did want to you know kind of give you the opportunity before we move on in the show uh to if there's anything else like you'd like to say about xeno and what he meant to you i know his arc ended up meaning a lot to us and to me in particular being that our our characters had such an intertwined history but you know what did what did xeno 5 mean to you john Xeno 5 uh, was a, he was a, a great experience to, he was a, he was a great experiment uh, to, to challenge myself, uh, particularly with the whole Android uh, flat affect thing. Um, but at that and just actually just trying to find the roots i remember actually uh talking to adam about just trying like okay well i'm trying to trying to really feel where xeno is in this yes he's chasing after the xeno i mean after the rune drive and whatnot 
and but other than that i'm trying to i was so f- worried about him having some some level of trauma you know and it was just like maybe his story just hasn't been written yet and that's really what what Zeno uh, is to me is that he was this uh, uh, unformed block, if you will. He was the the, uh, the blank slate. Um, okay, a little Taoist philosophy in here. Yeah. So I mean, so for me, he. I mean, well, that that's that's all Zeno was is that he was cerebral, you know, as far as a character. I mean, he wasn't the most relatable cat. Let's be real. Um, but to me, that's that's kind of what what I found really interesting about it is like uh, was the focus of I mean it's not to focus on an event or a person, but on an idea, and that's what I wanted to really pursue with Zeno yeah. was the pursuit of an idea. You know? Well, and if it's any consolation for his death, he did die beloved. Like he made, he Absolutely. had truly had friends. You know, not not just one truly. friend. Like I, 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 I don't want to speak for all you guys. Oh no, no, but there were like tears. Everybody, saw it. Yeah, everybody came to to really love Zeno as a character and as a, a member of the Epic Tracer crew. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he was the sleeper character in Dark in Horse Candidate season. Yeah. Like. I think as you listen to it, Zeno has this really interesting rise into the forefront. You know what I mean? Like, he starts off almost the most... Background tertiary character. Right. Yeah. And he just... And it just build, it builds in Cascade with the amount of tension building to that final moment. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's a steady growth for Zeno. And... I, you know, I know he was a struggle for you at first. We had lots of conversations about it. And so, yeah, I think the experiment part of this was, I know from, from us talking that, that, that I, I watched you grow as a player. Right. Yeah. Know, that, that's what, that's like the part figuring of the challenge. Out, you yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I loved it. The, the most datum of comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, cheers guys. Let's pour one out for Zeno. Right, I mean, departed, beloved character, but we also lost a couple other people. I mean, Sedona and Hash met their maker in the end of book three as well, and Sedona had been really kind of the 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 glue that that binded all of us together, and I, I know Aaron in particular had become really attached to her and and had really kind of tied in his lot with Sedona to some degree. So her going out was a big deal as well. I mean, you know, it was an an NPC, so it's not going to be as rough as a Xeno, but Sedona was a a major player in in the entire AP. We wouldn't be a a party without Sedona. Plot vehicle, but more than just a plot vehicle. So, So Emily was... I, okay, so I expected Sedona to die. Like, I don't know why. I was just like, okay, she's going to be, like, martyr. This is going to happen. So her 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 death was shocking. I was like, oh, shit, she just vaporized. Oh, no. Uh, but the one that got me was fucking Hash. Like, See, I'm, like, totally the opposite. I really, I was like, Hash is a dead man. Like, this dude is going to get killed off off screen for for something minor. Like, he doesn't matter. We should have never taken him in the first place. <laughs> like, 
I think that's why it like hurt Emily because I was like, mm-hmm. and I think Ziva actually said it at one point. She was like, you know, we brought him here. You know, like you're saying, Zach. Like we, you we had, convinced him. <laughs> Somebody uh-huh. else yeah. asked him. He said I, no. Yeah. And you're like, let I me take not. a crack at it. I went yeah. back and listened to that episode after okay. that incident. <laughs> I did not. She gave him a necklace and was like, "Deuces, we'll see you." And then like, Fail was like. Well, just come on. And I was yep. like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go. I'm like, well, fucking all right then. Let's fucking bounce. But anyways, yeah, that one was like, we killed him. Yeah, I was I was with uh with, with Zach on that as far. I mean, like, I was thinking, yes, okay. So Sedona is, I didn't think that she was going to go out like that. I thought that she was going to go out like, you know, like, Either hail of glory or like there was going to be some speech, something at least, you or know? just one final seizure. Yeah, one final <laughs> no! seizure. There you go. Exactly, the seizure I'm of all seizures. Elizabeth. With as many seizures <laughs> as she had, she was lucky to make it as far as she did. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bless her heart. Bless her heart. But yeah, Hash was going down. I figured that. Hash was dead. Sedona hurt me. I, it hurt me. A lot yeah, worse. You, you on 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 the episode, like Sedona happened. I could hear your breath go out of you, and then like there wasn't anything from you, and then just a quiet like under everybody else was talking, like oh god, oh god, and just a quiet from from Zach. I am shooketh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was just like so nonchalant. I mean, it was just so just sudden. It yeah. just yeah. yeah. Which I think is so, like, grounding in such a fantastical universe that we play in that somebody can just die because the dice roll that way. And it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be, Mm -hmm. like, this grand exit. It's just, like, wrong place, wrong time. Roll of the die. You die. Yeah. Uh, Get the hell off stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, well, shit. Yeah, when that becomes... uh kind of a marker of the reality that like as much as we'd like this thing to be a movie it's still a game you know like there is still chance involved yeah i I think i I don't think it's unreasonable to expect coming in that like okay eventually sedona's gonna die i mean that's the trope throughout the history of literature is like the mentor dies so the you know protégés can can thrive kind of thing but yeah for her to go out so like kind of unceremoniously um you know, off behind us when we're scooting off to the ship was it was a bit of a shock. It was very sudden. So, you know, shook it. Fuck. Rip in peace. Yeah. Sedona. F's in the and chat. Hash. F's in the chat. And hash. I mean, I felt bad about killing Hash because there was no dice roll involved in that. Oh, so that, that was, was all just. You. Yeah. <laughs> you just I mean, it wouldn't have taken anymore. a dice roll, you know? Yeah, like, like what there is was he? no way he was surviving it, you know? And I mean, there's no. Like. I could have done the dice rolls, but he was barraging the ship that wasn't powered, so there was no shields on it, you know. And and besides, like to Zach's point, like you know, if I'm just gonna be real, like it hash needed to be cut from the show, you know what I mean? And like it was, I knew it was a good impetus to get you guys who are the the players, like involved you know engaged in that final well showdown. i mean, I mean you it know, was enough also- to make zach fucking show down one to one he's like no fuck that motherfucker i have to look him in his eye when he goes down you know like that and i think that stems to that run 
from the elevator to the ship where Sedona died quickly with a bad dice roll and Hash was already dead when you got there, you know. Listen, the real reason Hash had to die is because that CG is expensive and we're trying to get double the pixel count for Titanium Mike for season two. Budget cuts had to be made. You know what I'm saying? It's just part of it. It's yeah. just business, baby. We, we, can, we can only afford so much green. You know? yeah. It's that Vesk money, man. It's, woof. Vesk money. Mo- it's Vesk money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that's an interesting point that like that the whole decision for Aaron to have the showdown uh, stemmed from that you know, Sedona's death as she's running to the ship or whatever. I mean, it, it really, I think part of why it came off as off character kind of for him is because like Aaron is so pragmatic all of the time. And then like, because of the death of Sedona makes the dumbest decision in his, his entire life. Now it paid off and he did well, but like that was horribly risky. Yeah. You know, and to- very unnecessarily. So other than just passion, you know, it was Mike that was like, Bro, we got nukes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was really honestly surprised that the rest of the party was so quick to sign off on it. Fell was like, I'm 100% in your corner, bro. It's like, be a better friend. What are you talking well, he, about? <laughs> he's, supporting, he's supporting his friend. You know what yeah. I mean? That is being a life yeah. decision. But, but like, supporting a friend in their decision to go get themselves killed, well, I think it's being a bad friend. It's fine. Yeah, like, let's, 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 let's consider that. Your, your characters at that moment were like extremely raw emotionally, you know, like, and I mean, obviously you guys as players too, but like, if you think about what your character's going through, like, I mean, Oren was seeing red and fell, I'm sure was too. I mean, Sedona, it doesn't get talked about much, but Sedona basically saved fell from drinking his life away. Yep. You know what I mean? Like he, and that that just doesn't get brought up a lot, but like, I know that I, I mean I know that Josh, you feel that Fell's connection to Sedona was deep. Oh, absolutely. You know? Well, that yeah. that is one of the kind of difficult things about that we are you know playing and recording within time constraints and stuff because I feel like everybody in the party had a deep connection to Sedona. Sure, yeah, but, that was... but we didn't have time to, uh, or maybe the possibility to have everybody have like an exposition about how much Sedona meant to them you know because but she did she very much meant a lot to Mike to Ziva to Zeno you know to all of us yeah I, I, I have to have a little truck with with saying it would be out of character for Oren to accept because I think it was completely in character right like I don't think I would have done it if I didn't think that it was in character for him to do, right? I it mean, was in, it was in character for you in the moment, in the feelings that you were feeling, but it would be out of character for the, like, in game. Like, your your companions would be like, oh, that's, Orin is typically the one that's telling us not to do stupid shit. You know what I mean? Like, it is in character based on the backstory and the... Right, and I was going to con- say, like, the whole, the whole arc that we set up you know, in book three with the flashbacks shows that Oren, when he's impassioned about something, is willing to make some very stupid decisions and some very irrational decisions and doesn't back down from a fight. Right. You know? I, I, I think, as I said, I think it's more saying that it was out of character for Oren as the crew knows Oren, you know, because the mm. crew doesn't know that backstory. Yeah, yeah I, I think all, that's you know? fair because we've yeah. only seen him at his most pragmatic 
Yeah, and, and Oren, as far as his role in the Epic Tracer, has always been the one arguing against hasty, uh, yeah. uncalculated decisions, you know? Yeah, well, and, and my point was more also about the, the listener, because, like, yeah, you did set up some stuff with, like, with your flashbacks and stuff, but in the grand scheme of things, that was pretty recent, and 95% of the listener's experience with Oren is him being that gruff, pragmatic, like, don't do dumb shit kind of character. Well, so. do us a sentence that, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, he was due. He was due for some, <laughs> some risky business, you know? Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I'm not saying it wasn't cool. I'm just acknowledging the fact that it, it you know, it may have felt weird because it's like you're such a pragmatic character so much of the time. I'm not I'm not shitting on you by any means. It turned out to be one of the coolest scenes in the whole show. Well, I think that all the all of you reacted as your characters the way that they would in that situation. Like it didn't surprise me that Mike was like, dude, no, like I got my b- finger on the fucking button right now. Like, you know, like, and that's Mike. Like, he's just, he's like, dude, he's gone right now. Just, you know, and like, but I, I do understand Fell's like immediate, like, yeah, I got, I'm, I'm behind you, Orin, just because they also think about it that they crewed together under Orin, just like you and, and Zeno crewed under, under her. Sedona. Yeah, I'm sorry, under Sedona. Yeah. You know, and like, and it was much more recent, you know, like they'd only been grounded from Sedona for a year, you know, and like, so when Sedona called on them, they had been anxious to, to do that, you know, and they get out there and then she dies, you know, like I, 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 I understand Fell and Oren being united in that moment because their connection to Sedona is very much entwined together as people. Yeah. Well, and, and like you said, it's, it's more recent, like, cause the Mike and Zeno thing is more like a, when I was a young man, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, a decade ago. Yeah. Um, well, Anyway, Sedona was a great NPC and a great plot vehicle for getting all of us together and ended up meaning a lot to the the crew in general. So I, I really appreciated Sedona as NPCs go. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you guys. I thought Sedona was cool. And the fact that we flavored her as Debbie Harry. Come on. Was, was yeah, amazing. Yeah. That Come was on. the yeah, win. Yeah, that helped. Yeah, it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was no other choice. It was... Yeah. Uh, Always was, will, and forever be Debbie Harry. Right. Uh, so that does lead me to a question, though, from Bipolar Pop-Tart. Were Sedona's seizures a legitimate part of the book or just a panicked improvisation to balance encounters? <laughs> they, they are indeed written into the AP. Hmm. There are certain hmm. moments that, that trigger her, her memories as she regains them. And the mechanical thing is, is if you guys, and I don't know why you wouldn't find all five of them, but maybe you skip a room, skip a lab or something. Uh, but for each seizure or memory regained, she gained five temporary HP in the fight against Zolan. Oh, okay. no kidding. Yeah. And Neat. so basically it gave her a stamina pool is mm-hmm. how I saw it. Um, because she doesn't have one otherwise, you know, she's right, got yeah, an NPC, NPC block, so yeah. she just has HP. 
uh, and she's a level lower than you guys, you know, and, uh, she's basically there. I think just mechanically speaking, she's there to provide heals when needed. You know what I mean? And just a little extra action economy. But like the idea is that you as the players are at the forefront of the adventure and should be handling the encounters as, as the team is how I kind of read it. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not a panicked improvisation to balance encounters. It's a specific decision, I think, to balance the encounters. You know what I mean? So it gives you heals in between fights, but during not the fight, during, you got to hit. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, that's interesting because, like, I, I wasn't sure either. I was interested to hear the answer to that question because, like, honestly, I was like, Adam's full of shit. He just made them seizures up so we couldn't use her. Um, I mean, I didn't, but I 100% agree with it. You know, like, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, like, that's, that's the logic that's behind it, I think, you know, and. And you guys did fine with the, with the encounters, you know, like really with the exception of the twin soul and the final confrontation with Zolan, y'all didn't need, need her. I mean, y'all handled almost everything you came across pretty easily. There was not a scary fight other than the twin soul. And then of course the final fight, you know? Yeah. I mean, it'd be different if we were like a three person party or something. Yeah, you guys are five five person party. I don't I don't add extra monsters, you know. I I mean I run the book as is with five players. What I do is add a little HP to all the monsters. They all have just a little bit more that you gotta chip chip away at, but like I don't add another turn in the order, so to speak. You know what I mean? So like you guys usually are able to handle a lot, you know. Um, I mean, hell, the Skraelin encounter, you guys handled the entire quote-unquote dungeon. Like, every enemy that was in that building, you guys took on in one fight. You know, it was a hard <laughs> fight. It was a long fight. because we did it the Ziva way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fucking stupid way. <laughs> Sorry. You said that. <laughs> I can say it. Um... Yeah, so, I mean, you know, hats off to Sedona, great character, um, Xeno5 as well. Um, they will be missed. Indeed. Hash? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was like, I was like, you guys already said enough about Hash, like, I'm good. <laughs> um, I don't care about Hash at all. Uh, okay, so, I know the kind of major event of Book 3 in general is the raid of the Islani base on Arellos. But if you recall, book three actually started during our second stay on Outpost Zed, as we were just talking about. Uh, we actually did the book two Tom Talks wrap-up after episode 38, Fly Me From the Moon, which was the starship combat immediately after we had finally escaped Golta, and Zeno had come incredibly close to death. Uh, that said, all the events on Outpost Zed are fair game as far as discussing book three and to go back to something close to a chronological order, uh, how did you guys like that section of the book in particular? Uh, just to remind you, a whole lot went on in our second stay in Outpost Zed. I mean, we had the boxing tournament. Fel and Ziva both got augmentations. Mike and Aaron interroga- interrogated a Draelic pretty ferociously. Fel had a date with Half-Red. 
Hash got body swapped and almost killed Ziva. Uh, and we fought Skralen and everybody else in Third Eye Salvage all at once. Yes, all of those. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You realize this is a discussion show, right? I know. I'm fucking with you, dude. Uh, I mean, I, I think it was a pretty solid weekend. Like, we did a, you know, we did some stuff. We saw some people kick some ass. Uh, no, that was insane. Um <laughs> I was about to say, like, I just had John do this. Like, please talk to me. <laughs> One of my favorite moments out of that was very, uh, had to be the boxing tournament because it was something that was homebrew, something that was just very unique, something that was also uh, fiddled with by the uh, listeners. And yeah, which made it better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like elevated it, yeah. It really did. Um, and also there was a, a lot of RP. Uh, shout, out to, shout out to Brian. Yes. Thank you shout so out to much Brian. For, for that. Yeah. And uh, that, and it also uh, uh, helped close uh, some tension between Zeno and Mike, as well as uh, uh, provided some great RP moments uh, with uh, Ziva in round two. And uh, Josh fell in uh, round one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Corner man's. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or women's. Corner people. Cool. Cool. Corner, corner people. Corner individuals. Uh, corner, yeah. Go. But that doesn't cover high lines, so I'm trying yeah, to be inclusive so. here. And then there's that that Draylick interrogation. That was fucking dope. That, I mean, that, was, that, was, that was like out of left field. I was just like, oh, wow, this is... I, I'm. I, I almost feel like a listener, just on the edge of my seat, right here, just like listening in on this. There was so many moments through book three where I got to enjoy sitting back, listening to y'all go the fuck off. You know what I mean? It was. Yeah. It was awesome, dude. and that's definitely one of them. That interrogation, like you guys were in such a good rhythm and flow with each other. Like the the dialogue back and forth was. Legit. There was mul- like multiple times, like right away, like oh shit, oh damn, oh shit, you know, like <laughs> that's good. It was good. Is it is it weird that I feel like that's one of like probably the biggest bonding moment between Mike and Oren is when they were like mercilessly fucking torturing someone. <laughs> well, I mean, Oren never tortured tortured man. Say, he just was good cop. You. You he threatened him with did. existential yeah. <laughs> terror, you know? Yeah. Right. Like, so. It's a form of torture. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I well, and, so, yeah. and I think he got Mike's respect because Mike was like, all right, well, I'm just going to beat his ass bloody. And it's like, oh, that's better. That's even better. Good one. Well, yeah, I, I do think that would be so much worse, right? Oh, like mental if you scars had somebody so much harder. It, it's... It's such a right thing to throw at a Draylick, too. You know what I mean? Because, like, they worship... Asparagus. Nothing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Asparagus. Well, oh, yeah. Like, they, 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 like, worship, like, entropy they're, and, like, the... You know. These men are nihilist, Donnie. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. And you're like, let me just show you how much is actually in nothing. Real quick. Mm-hmm. Let me just yeah. show you what nothing actually looks like, you know? I remember reading their bio, their their bio, and it's like, yeah, this is like, oh man, these are like the ultimate downers. You know? <laughs> they suck. They yeah, they do. It's like bummers, uh, dude. Like, yeah, they like worship the stars, but all the shitty thing about the stars, you know, like <laughs> it's like never about the energy that they give off or the light they give off. It's like always about 
black holes. Every the all stars are will eventually swallow us all. So that's <laughs> yeah. like their whole religion. Yeah, so like, fuck yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's that's like the cult of the devourer kind of thing. Like, yeah, that, those are yeah. those are my least favorite kind of bad guys because like there's not any logic behind it. It's just <laughs> like I want the entire world to die. It's like, but you're in the world. So, yeah, yeah fuck I know. Me too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't I don't feel bad about cutting that guy at all now. Well, I mean, I didn't then, but I still don't. Now you feel better. About uh, Mike ate bad. a whole head of one. <laughs> just the tip. Uh, he just nibbled. the tip. It was just the tip. Nibbled. Just the tip. Can't, I mean, and he's asparagus, good. man. Like, what, what are you going to do? Except he's not like literally asparagus. Like, Aren't he's they literally outsiders? flesh and blood. Yes, they are. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, I listened to you guys in your interview with Larry Wilhelm, and until he he said until he had listened to us call him asparagus, it hadn't crossed his mind. And then he was like, well, now it's not going away. I can't so, yeah. see that. I mean, straight from the source, they're asparagus now. <laughs> no, I think it's canon. Uh, Fell's date with Half Red, like, that was probably one of the most bizarre role-playing things I have ever done. Like it was just it was so oh, stupid no and so wonderful. It's so good. You did great. It's so good. I would not have wanted to have to do it. I wouldn't personally. have done it. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was genuinely oh, fretting totally, it for neither. like knowing that it was coming up for a couple of weeks and trying to figure out good, how to though. how to do it right. You did good. Like, you were really a good sport about that, and like I think you ended up making something that was like a little bit less. It was real silly. Well, it, but it, it felt like a little bit more like an actual connection than yeah. just a joke. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, well, it felt like a real date. Because yeah. like sometimes you don't know what the fuck to say, regardless of how you're saying it. Like, I mean, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was very. And I don't like romantic comedies, and I enjoyed that. So good job. <laughs> well, thank there you. you go, Josh. Glowing she, endorsement. She, she, was, endorsement. she was your she was your Julia Roberts, man. <laughs> you know, in my head canon, she 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 was always in a fishbowl, you know. Uh yeah, but the the half red half red date was like you said, I think it's a valid point that like it was something that was really silly that ended up being un- unexpectedly like, you know, meaningful or heartwarming until you, you know, broke her heart. <gasps> you bitch. You I mean, bitch. what what can I say? Well, you know, we had to leave. I, I think the reason that everybody's pissed that that fell broke Half Red's heart is because he it, it was so endearing. Oh, oh my God, Emily! Well, we'll well, and then he we'll, pulled we'll the see. he pulled the ultimate fucking Chad move, and like when he told her, like, "All right, I'm out, and you're not coming with me." But want to smash egg, eggplant emoji? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you dirty, fucking man. Chad. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. She was like, "No, no, I'm not. No, just a quick bone." Bye. Nope. But but like. I mean, I don't know that that's, it just felt it felt like a, a a real connection despite being something so absurd. Like it was so absurd, you know. Like yes, yeah, it was absolutely. <laughs> it, it, I mean, like I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that we would have. <laughs> that's what I love about this been, game. Gotten to this point as a podcast team. To where we where we did that episode, you know what I mean. But I enjoyed that episode and I thought it was well done. But if you had told me that that that's what we were going to end up doing, I'd be like, mm, yeah. So I don't know. So sitting around <laughs> pitching the idea for us recording this as a podcast and 
you know, having that be one of the bullet points. Oh, by the way, <laughs> one of the characters yeah. is going to go on a date with this squid fish thing in a floating bubble. They speak with emojis. They only speak to yeah, emojis. I think yeah. that is the, like, the, the crux of the situation is we used a very visual-based communication in a auditory medium, like, had to describe the emotions. <laughs> silly on top of silly. It really felt like theater of the absurd because oh, yeah. of that. You know, like, it was so, so many layers of making the communication difficult, you know, like, not just between the two characters, but <laughs> between GM and player, and then, like, from us to the listener of making all that, <laughs> all that make any kind of sense. I don't know. It was... It was a lot of fun. That's what it was. It was. Yeah. Well, we, we did it. We did it. We, we, hit, it we, hit, us with the, hit us with the horn, Heath. Come gotta on, get the horn, oh, dude. You got to be on the ready. I don't know that I want a ham no, horn. We got to play it up with the horn. No, gotta, if any moment deserves a ham horn. <laughs> that's it. Okay. All right. Fell, banged a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta catch them all, bro. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Uh, well, I mean, that's not all that happened on Arellis either. Not Arellis on Outpost Dead. Your boy Hash, his whole thing getting body swapped. What was his name? Grassalisk? Yeah. Grassalisk. Was the, nice. the uh, assassin mm-hmm, kind of. The reptoid. Reptoid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, like, again, like, I. I just yesterday I listened to your uh, STFU interview with Larry Wilhelm and like I kind of felt bad when you guys were talking and it's like yeah they just smashed Grassalisk my god sorry like Larry was like that yeah was... that's the one thing I feel bad about with the with the AP is it was so easy I was like well it's because of who he revealed himself next to you know yeah I mean the thing is we had we had started to suspect yeah you guys were that, on it and so know? I think I think we had Oren and Mike Orin was on the ship. It was Mike and Fell, wasn't it? Orin was never on the ship. No, no. Zeno was on the uh, ship as well. Zeno was uh, on the ship for sure. That's when you were doing your upgrade. Right. Mike and Fell in the room with him. Yeah, and you were you were you were at the hall. You were guarding. That's right. You were guarding the door, expecting somebody to come in. But mostly, I mean, every every step of the way with the assassination plot, you guys were on top of it and knocked it out like. You know, Ziva, I know you were a little worried when you were trapped, but like, if you go back and listen to it, it's pretty easy to get out. It's just, yeah. you just gotta, in retrospect, just, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, At yeah, the time, yeah. I was like, if I fucking suffocate to death, I'm gonna be so mad. <laughs> um, but I didn't, so I ain't. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's the kind of thing that just would have taken bad roles from everybody involved. Yeah. yeah. You know? Which is a possibility. That's the game we play. So, I mean, you were in in danger. Oh, yes. I I felt it. And and so then we kind of concluded, like, we had the big fight with Skralin and did did it the dumb way and uh, (laughs) fought everybody at once. And and, uh, the thing I, I, like, remember most about that, other than getting knocked the fuck out, um, was the Xeno using his... uh, Yeah, twice. (laughs) Uh, Was Xeno using his... uh, Nanobots, yeah, right, like the, mm-hmm. the that, microbots, the cloud, yeah. the cloud, microbot cloud. Yeah, it, that thing threw me for a loop. 
you know, that and the smoke grenade. That, that smoke, oh, smoke grenade, grenade was like... I love that part where God. you took control of me, walked me into the smoke, and I was like, okay, now you got to go ahead and roll a 42 check. Oh, wait, no, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I know, like, I wasted my whole time. You're like, God damn it. Yeah, I was so pissed. I was so pissed. <laughs> that was the most useful the Trident's ever been also. Propping doors, propping doors. That is absolutely not true at all. (laughs) I used that weapon for like a book and a half. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, like straight impaled, saved Fell's life, right? In in book one, impaled Lieutenant Sharu. Yeah, yeah, Ah, that's old news. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what have you done recently? Well, I gave it to somebody that the only fucking use they had for it was to try to turn into a gymnast. <laughs> I'm to turn it on it. like a light. I'm going to well, that was a fun time. Jedi Orin. That was a fun time. Pole vaults for everybody. I mean, you, you took t- you took the most effective weapon we had for a book and a half and just turned it into a flashlight and a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. I mean, you're welcome. That's, that's in character. I think. That's in character. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, consider who you gave it to, Heath. <clears throat> well, I wanted her to do better. <laughs> That was the purpose. I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I told you that. (laughs) That's true. Anyways, uh, I wish you had succeeded on the pole vault, though. Yeah, I I was secretly hoping you rolled a 20. That would have been so dope, you know. That would have been so vindicated, too. You'd be like, fuck you, my ideas are fun and cool. That's the only only way you were getting it with with a nat 20. But anyway. (sighs) Next time. And it, and it may have encouraged you to like actually use the trident for something else after that, but <laughs> the world may never know. The world may never know. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so Outpost Zed, I mean, ended up being... Lo- How many episodes did you say we were at Outpost Zed earlier, Adam, for the second time? Let's see. You were at Outpost Zed the second time from episode 40 to... Episode fifty three, so thirteen episodes. That's, I mean, that's a good chunk. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It is. I'd say we enjoyed our time there for the most part. Yeah, well, I mean, that very easily. If, if not for the stuff that we had added, I mean, that could have only been, you know, two, three episodes. I'm Mm -hmm. assuming. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I take great pride in that we stretched out post said to you know, double digits episodes. Well, it's just such a fun locale, man. I didn't want to, I didn't want to not use it. You know, it's very unique locale. And like, I think y'all needed it after Golta, you know, you guys were so confined and trapped and like to rush you into another dungeon that was confined and trapped. Like I I felt like you guys needed and wanted the space to like not be on a clock to have some time to breathe and to like dig into your characters, you know. And yeah. it, it, you were right on that. I mean, it, it showed with all the little things that we did during that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you did a good job. You did a good job. You guys did a good job because you dug Thanks. in, Thanks. made it made it good. Yeah. So uh, after the many events of our second trip to Outpost Zed came Arellos itself, and obviously there's a lot to unpack there. Let's look at Aurelos, like, mechanically, like, as a dungeon and how it functions. So I was going to ask Adam to give us a quick and dirty kind of breakdown of the layout of Aurelos so we could 
kind of discuss each part and see that where where that takes us. Yeah, I mean, so Aurelis is basically broken into three parts. There's the the top floor, you know, which you arrive on and kind of get the basic feel, and then you go down the elevator to the lower floor. And the lower floor is its own map, and that's where the Rune Drive is, and, you know, there's you get a little bit deeper into what's going on here at this station. Um, and then the third part are the various independent labs that are like built and very extended distances away from the main lab. So it's really a dungeon in three parts. Right. And what will you remind me? What were the three the names of the three labs? Because I always forget one of them. Power dynamics, field stability, field stability, and bend, bend travel. Travel. That's correct. Bend yeah. travel. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, each each one of those was its own unique little challenge as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. I I liked that because you had this kind of like knowing you're going into an encounter right so you go to it kind of like okay what is this going to be and in that each one kind of stood apart as its own vibe and its mm-hmm. own thing um and even the difference between the upper floor and the lower floor of Borello's, uh, i tried to give them character a lot with the music you know so the top floor anytime you guys were on the top floor it was like piano music and i, I just kind of saw the top floor as like the lobby of a of a corporate lab you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like and so like everything on the top floor is like really clean but it's empty right that's the big thing about the top floor like until you get to the flight navigation deck you're you're finding a lot of empty space and a lot of unoccupied rooms and so this this piano music is just this kind of music that's pumped out into this secret lab. Like nobody's coming here to visit it. You know what I mean? Like if you're there, you're either there to work or because you own it. You know. <laughs> and so so it's just this weird kind of vibe of of almost like intended mental torture on the people that were there. You know what I mean? And then you yeah, get down. It's like being in a hospital at nighttime. Okay. Yeah, that's empty, Ugh. you know, yeah. like except for a couple guards when you first get there, you know. And um, then the lower floor is where you like, that's where the rune drive is, right? And so it, it has this kind of mystical feeling because that's where you meet Murglebird. That's where the scientist dormitories are. That's where the shrine to the ancient Aslanti god is, you know. The, of course the rune drive and, and all that and that's where it's like as I said it, it kind of peels back to where you see what Aurelis is really all about and then you find it out about these independent labs that are doing even more like compartmentalized secret studies you know it's a cool, it's a cool layout a cool way to, to set up that last book yeah, I, I mean, I found Aurelis really interesting, and, and I know I'm biased. I had a, a rough time in the prison, but this dungeon was really cool, and uh, like having the multiple different um, labs that you knew there was going to be some kind of conflict in each one of them, but it's not necessarily that you're just like 
running through a dungeon and like fighting wave after wave of enemies like you know you've got specific locations and objectives to get to but you know shit's gonna be fucked up when you get there was I, I enjoyed Aurelis a lot for that reason I was worried you guys were not gonna like Aurelis I'm not gonna lie I was worried that it was too much like Golta in in the mechanical nature of it I think that's just Aslanti layout you know, yeah, well, I, for sure. Uh, but I know that Gulta was such a grind for you guys, you know. So I was afraid that it would just like immediately be reminiscent of it. And so then you guys would be kind of in a weird headspace going through it. But you guys took to it really well. You know? I think if you would not, if you had not had padded Outpost Zed the second trip, we would not have enjoyed it. I don't think I would have because going from that time stress of like you are in the shit, you know that things are here to kill you. Um, I, yeah, and I think if we hadn't had that time in between, that it wouldn't have been fun. That's my opinion, though. Yeah, well, and I, I think as a party and a group of friends, like we're as far as our mentality, like we're not really going to be our at our most successful if we're just hopping dungeon to dungeon to dungeon mm-hmm. with no with no in between spaces you know um personally well i mean to okay to that point did anyone not like arellos i mean it's fine if you didn't i liked it there was a weird sense of <clears throat> gaminess to it with the three different labs with the fact that, like, you get, you're going to get one rest, you know, but you got to, like, the way it was laid out was a little strange because you got to go back up the elevator and do all this to, to sleep. That it, I don't know, it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't land for me as seamlessly as, as, as Golda did. I guess my mind, I, leaned into the fact that it was literally or or my understanding anyways was the layout was that it was literally intended to create a sense of separation Mm -hmm. so like that's why everything was so spread out and why you had to go up and down to get to it which like you're saying it does very much have like a a a game feel um but i'm i guess i just sort of like tricked my brain into saying like oh no it's part of that because like the mental like the psychological effect that they're trying to have on the workers. Well, and and then uh, as far as our experience, we had sort of the the poltergeist that was Evandrian. Jesus Christ! Anytime we were traveling around, that you, you didn't know, are you yes, going to run into Evandrian again? Right? Mm-hmm. Fucking swiper, no swiping. What <laughs> rude dick! <laughs> Evandrian is a really, really. It's like probably my favorite part of book three as far as like the story like my favorite enemy is the twin soul but like as far as clever mechanic to drive a dungeon having a vandrian there was awesome like it just it added a layer of tension that i don't think would have been there without it and you guys would have felt very confident breezing through the lab at whatever pace you wanted to and and not you know like oh we'll just check the corner but knowing that there's somebody there who's smart and setting traps for you and like is watching every move you do you know like that made you guys play a little differently 
was there a possibility to get him on our side with like um yes there was you guys were close you know you got him you got him to indifferent you did never you did not get him to friendly Mm. you know um and if you'd gotten him to friendly he would not have been at the final fight next to the sardat he would have just left oh well then we wouldn't have got that you know his goodies so the armor that yeah so Mm -hmm. that's fine he stayed that's fine I did that on purpose then. <laughs> thanks, yeah, nailed thanks it. Emily. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, from an opportunistic uh, standpoint, like, yeah, we, we did the right thing. Fucking nailed it. Success. An error has occurred. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So aside from the mechanics of the dungeon, there were so many impactful, like, narrative beats. And I, I want to take us through each of those. And in the course of doing so, we can talk about some of the most important combats as well in Book 3. Um, and I'm just going to kind of rapid-fire these off. I'm going to say something and, and jump in. We'll, we'll just have a conversation as friends. Okay. First, uh, Irio. <clears throat> we haven't talked about Irio at all. Fucking Sandy drone, man. Yeah, that's rude. That's offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love how problematic. How, how he played the character when he started getting his yeah, so memory back. So, Irio's connection to Sedona is not in the AP. He's not connected to Sedona. I'm glad you did that. Uh, well, the, the funny story about that is when we first decided we were going to play Starfinder, like, before we even pushed record on episode one, Heath and John and myself did like a trial run and so I set up like a little one shot deal where basically Mike comes on aboard a starship and rescues Zeno and then they kill the goblins and the drow captain that are slavers that were coming to get Zeno and like that was that was it right that w- we were just doing that just to learn the game we're like, well, if we're going to yeah. record this, maybe it'd be smart for us to actually play it a couple right. times before we did that. And, you know, we did that and then we did a starship combat anyway. Well, I wanted Mike, I wanted to play a character as well, just so I could get familiar with how PCs work and how combat works. So I had read the all the books of the AP. I was like, well, okay, in the AP, Erio... Santa Drone is Erio, who works for the AAF, the Android Abolition Front. And so, like, I was like, ah, okay, I'm just going to say that he was working with Sedona, <laughs> you know? And so we ran that little one shot with me running Erio, Heath running Mike, and John running Zeno. And, like, that's, like, part of the canon of the story. And I was and so Irio has been sitting there waiting to be found in Arellos since before episode one. <laughs> you know, like yeah. yeah. Well, and and that <laughs> the funny thing, like you said, like that's not recorded, but it is canon, and it's kind of a shame that it's not recorded, even though it probably wouldn't have been like very good audio quality wise. Right. But it was fun. Like there were some funny events that happened in it aside yeah. from, from it being kind of our introduction to Erio. That's that was where your a, desk problem. But yeah, that started. was Mike's, <laughs> Mike's first encounter with desks. And, and it was a big like wrap around like 
uh, half like crescent moon desk. So it was like took all of my fucking an entire turn of movement just to get to where I wanted to get, and I wanted to attack him like right then. And I swore off desks from that day forward. And and also like that like Mike met Zeno for the first time in that like that he rescues yep. Zeno. Yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting. It was an interesting thing that. It, that is canon like just kind of because that's never re- that's never really been discussed about on the show i think <laughs> until now but um i just irio i've been i've been waiting since episode one for the party to get to irio and i would i, I would <laughs> like send messages to john and heath and i'd be like you guys got to remember to mention Irio as like an old buddy of yours, you know, like don't forget that because they didn't know that Irio was going to be there. You know, like I didn't tell them that Irio was going to be in Arellis. They had no idea. So when they saw him, Heath and John were like, what? And everybody else was like, who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and like Adam would send me like when I was in the process of writing flashbacks for for you know Mike and Zeno together flashbacks like he he was like all right well you have to have Irio in it and I was like okay like I I can do that but I I didn't understand at the time why you know it was so important to have Irio but yeah so we also I mean that's that's the distant past and then we find Irio in book 3 and he's had his mind wiped yep which is <laughs> fucking androids always getting their minds wiped you know, um, but it's, it's yeah. a real unfortunate situation. Irio was a, a fun little NPC to, to flesh out on the side. You know what I mean? It was fun. Yeah. Well, and it was cool to me that both with Irio and Rupert, you and John or Adam and John both got to play both of those characters. Yeah. That was, <laughs> was a lot of fun, like seeing your different interpretations and like, the second person to play him always is kind of making fun of the first person to play him. Well, I didn't take it like that at all. Fuck you, John. No. <laughs> I was trying to make him as, as real as possible. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, you did good. I thought, I thought, I think your Rupert is great. Thank uh, you. I, I really like your Rupert. It's yeah. Same. It's got kind of a I, John I love- Goodman feel to it. It does. It does. There's more John's Rupert to come in the interlude that's coming out after this. Yes. <laughs> uh, I also I love how fucking smarmy Ario became. Like that smug oh bastard. <laughs> the, the the scene where oh, fucking I just was so mad at you for saying that. Like it looks like you're down a crewmate. Uh, I can help. Like, fuck you! Wrong time. Poor timing. Poor timing. Bad form, Irio. Yeah. Bad form. He, he was he was so smug immediately after Zeno's death. Like, he, he hopped on the guns with Mike and was like, all right, well, I'm, he's like traumatized and trying to assess the new guns because, like, also a part of the story is that the ship just became a new ship out of nowhere. <laughs> so he's dealing with As all that, tradition. and then he's like explaining the guns, and fucking Irio's just like, oh yeah, no problem, my man. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like he, he got, he's still like trying to recover from his brainwash, right? So it's like overcorrected the, the oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just so emotionally disconnected from everything yeah. that's oh, going yeah. on. Yeah. 
Yes. When when he goes to uh, say something to Orin as Orin's leaving, to, he's just like, "I'm gonna go ahead and say it. You need to cool your jets." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just, I just love it because it feels like he's like a fucking frat boy in a psych ward. You know, like. <laughs> well, just let Mike just press the button, my man. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> It's like, uh, this man. motherfucker, like, catch a beat, my guy. Like, we're not there. We're not there. <laughs> well, I love that John, like, stayed true to, to that aspect, you know? Like, because oh, yeah. I, I handed it off to John, pre- like, right before like we started playing. five minutes before, yeah. yeah. I was like, uh, well, uh, oh, okay. yeah, John, Good you luck. need somebody to play or something to do during this episode. <laughs> Why like, uh, don't you play Iria? Okay. I remember he's smarmy. Okay, got it. <laughs> Can do. Well, you you killed it in that regard, my man. Fucking got it in one. <laughs> so, speaking of characters that John also got to play, uh, another big part of book three was uh, finding out that Mike's dad not only was alive, but was in inexplicably in the the base that we were raiding at the time, and then finding him and freeing him, and and that ended up being a huge deal for Mike emotionally and you know one of many very emotional uh, narrative beats in book three in general and uh, I I mean it choked me up a couple of times the whole dad thing because I mean Mike is already for me a kind of a tongue-in-cheek homage to my dad anyways so like to have more dad stuff on top of that i was just like oh you got me you (laughs) son of a bitch i i also knew rupert was gonna be there from before episode one oh really yep okay like because you know if you remember the first flashback that's cool i'd let you i'd you know, we had talked about what had happened when the Aslanti invaded, and I think we had talked about that both of your parents got kidnapped, and then I, you know, unbeknownst to you, had mom get shot. Yeah. Yeah, you just killed my mother, Adam, without telling me. <laughs> yeah, but Appreciate that's because I knew that's because I knew that Rupert was gonna be at Arellos. You know what I mean? Like that, that I've been sitting on that too. Like no, that that's definitely the the Erio and Rupert was like the first thing that I put on top of this AP. I didn't come up with the whole Zeno stuff or the boxing stuff till later, but but Rupert and Erio was like, all right, this is how I'm going to connect these two characters to the to, to what we're doing. Well, and that it's just so funny to me, or, or interesting, really, the way it played out. That those are characters that mean so much to Mike. And Zeno was Mike's best friend, and upon Zeno dying, John, who played Zeno, played both of those fucking characters. Right. Like, it was all very... Like, that really tied into the emotionality of book three for me, is like, because John moved out, like, at the end of book three, we had been roommates, and like, I fucking cried like a baby the when Zeno died. week of Zeno's death, I move out. That's yeah, a real was, dick move, yeah. my guy. Hold well, yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't have waited a week, motherfucker. Hey, no, so no, no, that's all on Adam. Adam's a dick here, not no. me. No, he, he said, I'm a method actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you fucking yeah. nailed it. Uh, so, I mean, I know the, the Rupert thing is obviously a very Mike situation. And, and, you know, a little bit Zeno because he's known Mike so long. But, like, I wanted to ask you guys that are not Mike, like, 
how do you feel about the the Rupert situation and did it pay off? Did it land? Yeah, I mean, well, I think it was you know? played very well. You know, the it didn't seem forced, it didn't seem ham-fisted. It was just, you know, the only the only thing that I feel would be a little bit questionable is the fact that he was there on Arellos at all. But, you know, yeah. that's yeah. If he hadn't been, then he then none of this would have happened. So I'm glad that he was. Um, but right. no, I, I mean it was played off beautifully and set up well. Yeah, well, and that's I, I even had to like kind of address that in character because of my own personal like being incredulous about it. It's like how is it that every person Mike gives a shit about in his life is all this one remote weird Aslanti off like under the table facility all at the same time yo it's like it's works. not yeah rune drive dog. oh yeah rune drive yeah. dog there's that also you know like that thing. primarily there's that primarily the rune <laughs> yeah. drive fiat yeah no I, I loved uh rupert i i thought that was very cool and i, I don't think i would have cared even if it was ham-fisted because i was like oh daddy so it was I mean, great it definitely was ham-fisted but like i thought that it was okay appropriate yeah 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 so, I, mean, no, I thoroughly they, enjoyed it you know you tell you tell stories because they're stories right like you want to tell something that's a little bit beyond belief because that's the it's why it's what makes it that's a story. why it's a story yeah yeah and right. honestly i think having rupert there was a realistically Mike traded Zeno for Rupert. You know what I mean? As far as like You uh, son of a bitch. No, like, <laughs> I mean, you like, can fuck like, off no the no, death of a relationship right and there. the birth of a relationship. I've, I you get can that, say that. But yeah. I've that. already I've already caught shit from the community trying to set <laughs> pin those deaths on me. That was not an active decision <laughs> on Mike's part. He did not trade a fucking thing. No. That's not what we're yeah. talking about. We're not talking about Mike I, making a conscious decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a Sophie's a dilemma, right? you know? No, I mean that you had that Mike had that to fall back on. It's like this horrible thing just happened, but at least there right. is the possibility of this new relationship. Uh, I think otherwise. I don't know that we could have gone into, you know, we could not have gone into the next bit with as much optimism and hope. I think that you'll see in the interlude that the APA and what they are, to your point, Emily, would they would not have been able to make that step without Rupert. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Rupert was, is, is the, the symbol of hope in the whole thing. You know what I mean? Of, of, hey, there is still potential for something good to come out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait for y'all to listen to the interlude because I think that there's a lot that goes into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and like the meta of it is like that we know we're going to go play Signal of Screams. So, like, if there hadn't been some levity, some hope from that thing, everybody dies. <laughs> you know, everybody we care about dies. Like, I, I agree. I don't know how we'd move forward with it just being complete and utter darkness moving into what we know is a, a dark kind of horror-ish campaign. Right. Um, too much of the same tone, you know? Either way, you need something to kind of lighten that lighten that mood, you know? So a particularly distressing period of book three, uh, 
for Ziva, if not all of us, is when she went through that weird, like, Stargate warp drive thing, mm-hmm. and we ended up doing the Twin Soul fight. Um, Ziva, how, how did you feel about that when you were in, like, a different plane of existence and none of us knew what the fuck to do? Uh, Ziva was scared, uh, in general, because it was a scary situation. Emily was certain that Ziva was going to die. I was for sure just in the, in the deep, just the deep pit of my stomach. I was like, okay, this is, this is my Mal moment. This is, which is, Mal is my 5e character that died under Adam. <laughs> but, your first character. <laughs> yeah. oh. My very okay. first character. No, but I... It's the first character I killed, like, by dice alone. Yeah, ever. Know, alone. Yeah. Yeah. But I I was just, I had those kind of like flashbacks uh, as she was on the other side. And you guys were kind of like making the rolls to see how long, you know, uh, Fel was getting information to see how long that people stayed over there. What was the situation? And I was like, oh, she can't survive over here an hour by herself. But I mean, that's not going to happen. So, I mean, I. I was fucking real bum for a while there. Um and then and then even when she came out, she was still kind of dire. Um yeah, that's kind of where I was at. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't shit. Obviously it wasn't as bad for us not being on, you know, in that alternate dimension or whatever, but it was really distressing because I know we had Aaron and Fell both like at the computer console or whatever trying to figure out what we were going to do and the party as a whole trying to figure out are we going to go in after her and i i still to this day feel a little bad because i was the one that was like nah probably not see yeah, if ziva was- i'm sorry if ziva could have communicated she would have told y'all not to come 100 percent uh, well, if, I mean, my deal was just like, we don't know where that goes. We don't have any assurance that that gate's going to take us where she went. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, I was 100% ready to to go in, but I wasn't going to do it, like, solo. I wasn't gonna, just going to jump in there by myself, because then it was like, well, what if now we have two people trapped in mm-hmm. here? Whereas, like, if we have the whole party trapped in here, at exactly. least we're all trapped yeah. in this yeah. bad boy. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I kind of oh. wanted, you know more time computering because you know bro if you remember like mike had killed one of the grays up on the the uh, catwalk or whatever and i was a hundred percent sure i was like all right i'm gonna get a fucking like card key or something off this dude and solve our problem nope and i was like all right let me check that body he was like there's nothing there it's like you sure? <laughs> I remember that. You sure? You're so like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's supposed to be a card. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Pretty sure. sure. Pretty sure there's a solution to this problem. Yeah, yeah. This guy Where's just get out a portal card. <laughs> yeah. right. no, there, there's really not. You know, like if you get sucked through, you're stuck there for the amount of time that I roll on. You know, it's like a D4 amount of rounds. You know, like I, you know, the there. The suspense was built of it could be rounds, it could be an hour, it could be days, mm-hmm. right? You know, like, because there's no way to know that. The the Greys didn't know that, you know, like, they hadn't figured that out yet. So there's no, there's no information there to learn in the computer. But I thought, but I, it was, you were putting so much effort into it, right? Like, that I wanted to help you kind of narrow into what was going on and like, 
because I knew how many rounds she was going to be in there. She's going to be in there in two rounds and she's going to pop out. She's going to be all right. You know what I mean? But it was like, y'all didn't know. And I no, wanted to play no with that a little bit. Y'all and didn't fucking I, know. You know, I will say that is one of my favorite things. Like it's kind of sadistic, I guess, but I, I love that setup where you share that information. Like, you know, one person in the crew is on a different map. They see something completely different or, you know, like you whisper something to a player. It's that complete separation from a single individual from the group. I think it just sets up so much great suspense and it's a real head fuck. And it's yeah. just, I love it. Like I was terrified for Ziva, but I was also like, this is fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that kind of ties into like the whole never split the party mentality, which I get it is like, one of the like probably the number one like Fun cardinal rule, rule yeah. of of playing TTRPGs, but I've always disagreed with it because every time a party gets split, it's not that every time it happens you risk a TPK. That's how that's how people portray it. But like every time it happens, there is tension and there is drama that is good for the story. Yeah, yeah. So good, I'm good not job. Saying, Adam. Like, I was about be it. a dumbass and split off constantly. Yeah, you know. Don't be afraid of it when it's when it's necessary. So. Well, and well, it happened like that. That yeah. wasn't yeah. a choice that you guys right. had. Like you just got caught by the trap and got sucked in. You know. Well, and I was really lucky not to have. I passed a, a save. Yeah, you and, and Zeno Zeno. both yeah. were yeah. like very close to getting sucked in yourselves. You know, like you know, there that could have gone any number of ways. And so. I have a question. Had one of them been sucked in, would they have gone to the exact same place as Ziva? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And but for a different amount of rounds. Then oh, okay. Everybody gets I mean? their own role. Okay. Right? okay, gotcha. And so, like, you just kind of get stuck in the ethereal plane for half a second before you teleport over to the other ring. Mm-hmm. You know. So they haven't. The reason that is is because they were using a de- the, a dead twin soul to power the gates, and so twin souls exist on the ethereal plane and on the material plane simultaneously always, and so like they were trying to teleport through the ethereal plane using the twin soul's power, and they <laughs> they hadn't figured it out, you which know? is just <laughs> fucking wild. Yeah. It's by the, the craze, way. man. Like you, right? you know what? They would have known better if they would have partnered with Merkelberg. <laughs> Merkel baby. <laughs> well, Just got to share that info, babe. Yeah. God. Well, what a transition. <laughs> because that was the next thing I was going to bring up was Merkelberg. She's on everybody's mind. I Merkel do think baby. I do think we should put out a poll on the Patreon for like what was what was their favorite NPC. Yeah. Uh, the whole series. I mean, you could do it. You could do all three books, or you could do the whole series. I'm just, I'm just pitching the idea of a poll because mm-hmm. we don't do enough of them. You're right. We don't. Uh, Murgleburg was fun. Great comic relief in the middle of a intense dungeon. Mm-hmm. We talked about it a little bit with Larry uh, about that being a great timing NPC right there. Murgleburg is awesome. Was a lot of fun to play. I had a lot of fun. Like learning that voice you know to where because the first time i did it like i it, i hurt myself you know what i mean like i actually uh, I, will, I will tell you here if you've made it this far in time talks you get this little piece of information i i went back and re-recorded a few of the lines from Murgleburg 
the first episode that she was introduced because it was because I was like straining to do it. But then I figured out how to do it with zero strain at mm-hmm. all. Like, so now I can comfortably do it, it, you know, just changing it where it is in your throat and stuff like that. And so then I was like all about Mergle Burr and having fun with, with interjecting her wherever I could, you know. All of a sudden, this baby's great. So your experience with Mergle Burr was like adjusting to being the lead singer of a screamo band. <laughs> yes. Yes, something like that. I just I love the scene of Mergle Burr carrying the room drive and complaining about it being heavy. <laughs> <laughs> this is so and heavy. Giving it to Becky and <laughs> Steve. The, fucking, the scientist NPCs. Oh, <laughs> oh Steve Larenix. That, that, that was funny. Yeah, Steve Larynx. That, that was funny Larynx. having all the the scientists <laughs> and, and all, you know, like with a situation like that where there's like 15 or 20 people, like the reality of the situation is you're not going to flesh out all those people, but no. it's always fun to play around with mm-hmm. one or two of them. You yeah, know? just give them like sure. a little like identifier that's like, okay, there is like, it's not just scientist one, scientist two, yeah. scientist Yeah, a bunch three. of tokens. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that was good. That was good. <laughs> Fucking <I> mean, Steve <laughs> Larynx. <laughs> my biggest surprise of book three, you know, you're talking about these narrative moments, was was the Orin fight against Solon. Hey. Like, I, hey, that's I- something that I did not anticipate. You know, I talk about all these plot beats that I did anticipate and plant the seeds for. Fucking Zach Evans saying, "Hey, I, yeah, I will take on the boss solo with my character." Is not anything that I had on my bingo no. card. Not the in your balls bingo card. No, on that yes and all, right like, there. Not at all. Balls. It was insane. I don't think it would have worked out without uh, Evandrian's armor. Uh, I mean, like, that was that was kind of a... Is that what, like, did it for you? Like, knowing, like, kind of having some idea that you had some access to a, a potential armor upgrade with... Yeah, I mean, because it had the force field and everything like that, mm-hmm. and it had the the damage resistance, and that, like, is where I thought I'm, you know, I might have a fighting chance at this. I figured he would out damage me, turn for turn, mm-hmm. but I was hoping that if I got enough um, mitigation, that it would, it would balance out. You mm-hmm. know, no doubt. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a. a, a a tense encounter, though, because I just I did not think that it was a, a, a great idea in, in the moment. <laughs> in retrospect, it was still a terrible idea. In, in retrospect, well, it was I, still okay. a terrible idea. I will pull back the curtain a little bit and say that, you know, when, when we were doing that, we had, we stopped and said, and like had a discussion as a pod while we were recording that. And said okay what does this mean like because i was i was a little shocked by it you know by this request i wasn't expecting it and or the, the agreement you know what i mean like to do it and when he said yes i was like okay well then i need to i mean i had to put together a map for it like i didn't have a plan for this at all so we had to stop and we talked about it as a group you know and one of the things that kind of came of that was this armor being a thing and then the fact that you guys at this point were supposed to have leveled up you know mm-hmm. what i mean 
And I was like, yeah, I was leveling you up going into a starship combat because I wanted you to be at the appropriate level for the starship combat. But then it was like, okay, oh, wait. So now now you're going to solo the boss. And so there was a discussion there. And I think that it's important. And the reason that why I'm, I'm saying this and kind of putting it out there is that if you're running your games at home and somebody comes up with, you know, they throw you for a loop, don't be afraid to pause and like, kind of discuss it for a second say okay how's this going to work and then go for it and then we did and it was like and that's when we kind of hit record again and i was like this is gonna be for real zach like i'm gonna roll all the dice on the table like yeah i'm i'm getting you on this recording now saying that you are agreeing to this <laughs> you're agreeing to last this chance fight, you know last like, chance yeah well and and you know to that point like if it's cool enough like make it happen. Like, yeah, whatever yeah, it is, if it's a, a cool way. enough Definitely. idea, make yeah. that shit happen. Like m- take the time to pause the action for a second to make it happen in a way that that it doesn't count as an asterisk. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that was a real deal thing. Like Zach put his character on the line to solo Zolan. You know, and none of us had. I mean, I hadn't considered that possibility before that. You know, before before Zach was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do it." I believe uh, John had it in the right. The balls on this guy, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> well, yeah. I, w- I will say in in Oren's defense, no one, to my knowledge, has ever accused Oren of not having a nutsack. Oh, yeah. you know, like, true, like, yeah. true, and not lived. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and live yeah. to talk about it anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, you know, honestly, I think the mind thrusts mm-hmm. ch- changed the game yeah. on that. Because it, it was it was nice because being a mystic gave me ranged combat tools that I don't think I would have had if I'd have been a straight Solarian going no, for right. sure a fight. Right. You know? <clears throat> Whereas, and and the thing was, is I, like, Orin was presenting a threat to Zolon if he stayed in melee range, he was going to risk being blinded every single turn. But if he runs away, well, now I get a free cast without provoking an opportunity attack. And, you know, with Zolon being a human, not being a construct or, or a swarm component where they're resistant to mind-affecting things, mm-hmm. Mind Thrust is primed to deal big damage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the yeah. biggest damage toolkit or tool in the Mystic Toolkit. And so... Uh, the combination of having the the starlight form, which is specifically a star shaman thing and not a mystic thing, and the and the mind thrust on deck, I mean, it really made a huge difference. Well, Zolan completely underestimated the mystic in you because, which is is so ties into who Orin is because he was so reluctant to show the mystic side of himself, you know, for so long. Like, I mean. A lot of what Oren did with his mystic powers was like only to the people that he knew, like mm-hmm. by healing them and like, you know, only people that were close to him really saw his mystic powers. You know, you did a force disc a couple of times and you've used mind thrust before, but to a lot of time you rely on your gun to do the work yeah. in combat, you know, so you're not an overly magical mystic in that sense. And so I think Zolon underestimated that big time because the Solarian part of you is really flashy and so he's like oh I see this dude's trying to be a 
some sort of solarian, you know. <laughs> oh, you got a lightsaber? And he completely <laughs> underestimated your connection to Ebra and the stars and, and what being a mystic means, you know, which is very, it, it, I think it's indicated by his disregard for his own religion with mm-hmm. what he did with the, the armor. armor. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, the armor and like he obviously doesn't put a lot of stock in, in mysticism, you know. So and, and you, if, you showed him up with it, dude. Boom. Uh, yeah, dude, I got the last laugh. Uh, if if I don't, I don't mean to cut you off at all. I, I was just thinking about like it's so interesting to me that Aaron and Zeno both ended up being such big like linchpin characters in the end of this book. And they were both kind of subdued for a lot of the AP, you know, like really chill, just just let shit flow as it's going to flow kind of characters and ended up being the, the real superstars in the end of this book. And I, I love that kind of role reversal, but there's like with the Aran, uh Zolan combat in particular, there's so many like layers to what that is and what what made that special. I mean, there's the Sedona aspect that he's trying to avenge Sedona. And, and, you know, even to the point we made earlier where it like almost, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but it like almost felt a little out of character because he feels so pragmatic all the time, but he made Mm -hmm. such a gutsy call, you know? And then also, and I was just thinking about this, it just like hit me a second ago. There's also a a Mike and Aaron role reversal as well, where like Aaron is stepping up and being a fighter, not a fighter, the class in the game, but like a fighter with a capital F. Yeah. And Mike is staying behind and being like, I'll, I'll nuke this motherfucker from range, dude. Like, don't do this. <laughs> you know? Like, there's so yeah. many layers of role reversal and, like, interplay between how the characters are normally perceived mm-hmm. that I, it, it was so cool. Like, I mean, I, I'm so glad that we, you know, you in particular made the decision to do this fight. Uh, I don't, at all feel bad about Mike disagreeing with it. No. <laughs> <You know? I> know. <laughs> right, right. Some uh, real I, deal character development. Definitely. Yeah, and no, it really was. It really, really was a major like layered burrito of character development. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I will say this. There is no nuke in the the universe that could have gone off that would have been as satisfying as that final that final image oh. that he saw of Sedona, yeah. like so fucking IRL inspiration, it. Zach. Yeah. That was like and next so level. Was, that was so off the cuff. Too. No, I, was, I, I didn't was expect to, to kill him that. on that. I was about to ask you that. Had you been planning on doing the Sedona visualization at, at the end of that fight if you won, but no, you Dude. just decided in the moment. Yeah, I mean, so in in my you know in like. The mental strategy that I'm preparing, you know, as we're getting ready to this fight, I assumed that it would be blow for blow lightsaber swings. You know, that's what I was, I came in preparing. I was never, like, even considering actually using Mind Thrust, but it was because I thought that we would be entangled in melee combat. I didn't want to risk an, an attack of opportunity. But every time that Zolan steps back because he doesn't want to get blinded, I'm yeah. like, oh, I got this. range now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that 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 idea like ties into like I said the the micro reversal thing. Like I didn't realize like you went into the fight expecting to be purely a melee combatant. 
you know yeah. when it's like it, it, you know if you're just thinking about like who these characters have been historically it's like oh well, Mike would be the guy to go duel a guy on the surface of a fucking asteroid right. it's like nah dude like I'm good instead <laughs> like, I'm Mike good. was instead Mike was uh, was the one with his hand on the trigger you know instead yeah. of yeah well, for me, it worked out really serendipitously because I literally just took the lightsaber because I fucking love Star Wars and I love Jedi. <laughs> oh, and, like, tough. I just wanted a lightsaber because I had this opportunity. I was getting a class feature that didn't I didn't really want, and I had this opportunity to swap it for a fucking lightsaber. Are you kidding me? Yes, I will take that. <laughs> even even <laughs> yes, if it's just please. a flavor lightsaber, I'll have it. Yeah, yeah I love that please. flavor but, saber. But because of the way that, you know, we have to narratively in-world describe things we're getting for our level ups, a, a choice that we decided early on, uh, you know, so when when we first arrived at Arellos, that's when Ibra gives Oren the lightsaber in, in the narrative. And if you guys remember, Oren doesn't want it. He's like, what the fuck do you want me to do with this? Mm-hmm. I'm a gunslinger. Like, right, right. you know, but it like, it just, it's so serendipitous the way that it works out. Well, Ibra's given Oren this this lightsaber because this is you know this is what's going to happen to him later right yeah, he's yeah. going to be the never, one to face Zolan and yeah. that was never planned right from a from a metagaming right. standpoint but it just, just it ends mwah. up working out and making sense yeah, yeah. yeah. Italian kiss yeah. it because yeah. it just well it, I mean it's it so crazy because so Emily comes to me with she's like oh well for my level up I want to take Mystic Connection and I'm like are you kidding me right now? Like that's okay. Yeah. All right. So that's cool. Boom. I'm going to connect you to Oren. That's going to be your mystic connection Mm -hmm. through Sedona. And, and boom, we have this amazing fucking like coalition of stories that just explodes. Can can, can I be like a hundred percent honest with y'all right now? Whenever she, whenever she decided to take mystic, uh, connection. I was a little sad because I was like, "But I trained you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you abandoned the path." I, well, I don't honestly. Th- I mean, it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm just fucking with you. But like, I mean, you should have took a soldier level forever. Uh-huh. I mean, that yeah, that's <clears throat> super true. Um, I think Ziva her her or my mindset was I wanted her a little bit more well rounded because that's what I see an envoy as is kind mm-hmm. of like supposed to be. Jack of all trades kind of situation. That's what I love. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Um, she's taking the, she's learning the best parts of her crew and absorbing it into her captain. For sure. I'm just so ready for y'all to hear the interlude because like, there's (laughs) such a good bit. Oh, it's so good. It's just so good. No, I mean like now I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Like now I feel, I love it. Like I love all the narrative things we've done, but like I, there, there was a second there where I was like, "Are you fucking serious right now?" Like I've been your, I've been your like soldier trainer, your boxing trainer for She's fucking like, yeah, months it cost now. Me three feet, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, utilize your feet more wisely, my girl. <laughs> I've but, got this, but just- yeah, but it ended up creating a really cool moment, and it, and it also ended up providing Adam a, a, a good enough reason to let 
Emily apply the get em, mm-hmm. which was awesome. The, 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 she so really good. wanted to get off. She was just like wanted mm-hmm. to have. Please let me so help. Bad. The fact that he <laughs> let her do because she was it was very obvious she was trying to weasel that in, mm-hmm. and and it was like oh yeah he's not gonna do he's not gonna fall for that shit, <laughs> and then and then when he did it was such a surprise and and worked it in in an interesting narrative way that it was like really satisfying and yeah. not not too like you know. No, it wasn't uh, a gimme. He, he wasn't it was... just conceding. Yeah, the yeah. point, right? Like yeah, that was well, narrative. If that, that's the thing. A we can for justify. That to make sense, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing. Is like we're playing the kind of game that we're playing, and we can justify whatever the fuck we want to if we have enough narrative purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the philosophy that we all share. It's like if there's a narrative purpose behind it, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. Yeah. You just got. You just got to tell me about it. Yep. I just need to hear about it. <laughs> no. Yeah, but that was fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to do. I'm glad that Orin lived. Uh, <laughs> that would have broken my heart mm-hmm. if he would have died. Because because it, not only does like my character depend on that on winning that fight, but like the whole narrative stakes of the whole adventure kind of hinged mm-hmm. upon I mean, that. Yeah. Just yeah. so you know, if you lost that fight, I'm nuking everything. Yeah, everything. I'm yeah. nuking the ship. I'm nuking the asteroid. I know I'm you are not. Everybody. The, the stake of your word was on the line. The stake of your honor as a party was on the line. Because like, if he loses, yeah, but fuck those nuts. <laughs> I know those motherfuckers, man. I, know, I mean, to I, be I, fair, I hear you, but Mike's that's been what like, I, so- I keep my word for a long time. But when it, he's always had a blind spot when it comes to these Atla- as Lanny fucks, and he would have fucked his honor up <laughs> and fucking nuked the shit out of all of them. I mean, them. I wouldn't blame you at all. Like, I, I understand. I just think that there was, it's it's worth noting that there there was more to it than Oren's life on the line. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and, and like I, I know I mentioned it on the cast, but I was like so nervous, man. I mean, I really was. I felt like I was wiping my brow like between turns, you know, like every time. <laughs> so like, just really want to get it in before we move up, move forward. But yeah, just want to say Zach that hashtag savor the saber, you know, on that yes. like for <laughs> yeah. real, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the show yeah oh yeah it was great it was a lot yeah. of fun and uh and i mean i don't think that's gonna be the end of Warren using his, his twilight no, saber either, I hope so. not. yeah so uh just real quick before like like i always have to do little things to get myself in the headspace particularly to do tom talk stuff like i i'll i'll put all my like notes together and everything but i have to like do little quirky shit to like get to feeling right and i watched uh almost 20 minute video of all of the lightsaber battles from star wars the old republic right before (laughs) we played today or right before we got on today and i was like all right cool i'm ready to talk about the iron fight i'm prepared but but it honestly it made me a little sad because of the the limitations of the medium like mm-hmm. the inability to describe a lightsaber battle in the way that a visual medium allows because like it's so badass watching a lightsaber battle and it's like really difficult to describe combat like it's something we constantly like struggle with and 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 pull off successfully a lot of the time but it's still different like in a in in a 
audio medium trying to describe what a combat is as opposed to like getting to see a badass video of a lightsaber duel. Yeah, I mean, you know, man, it would be just a shame if somebody with a lot of artistic talent just wanted to just draw. Just painted that? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, it would just be a travesty. That would be... I'd be real rough. Be real yeah. upset, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. It'd be almost as as shitty as if somebody drew an awesome picture of training Ziva under Mike with her dope sports bra and stuff on getting pretty, rocks thrown at her it's pretty dope nobody pretty nobody dope. wants nobody that. nobody no. wants that thank you Oink. so much thank you so much alex <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah okay so i mean like look we could talk for fucking three more hours just shooting the shit because that's what we do <laughs> about how awesome the Oren versus zolan fight was but look the reality is you won you yeah. you, you pulled it out and i'm i'm incredibly proud of you as is mike and the entire party. And, yeah, we're proud, proud of you. Um, proud of you. But I'm so glad that's like a thing in our discourse. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, I, we have to move on to some listener questions and then get the fuck let's out of it, here, okay? Man. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I got one from Setasuji. Woo! Shout out, Setasuji. Setasuji, what up? Oh, hold up, I got the ham horn. Oh. <laughs> Got Got there it is. What encounter or fight was the most absolute bullshit with the XD smiley Super face? zombies. 100%. Super zombies, book one? Well, that's yes. book one. one. Adam, book one. It's that's fine. how I mean, absolute look, the bullshit thing is, it was. This is, this is a book three and an, a whole AP wrap-up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 100%. Yeah. The, the super fair. zombies. The, the, yeah, that's because yeah. they're random like, wrong. Mm-hmm. Next question. It's supposed to be staggered <laughs> every other turn. But no, they just kept going. They were I don't want to talk about this. Next, next question. question. Next question. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I have a different opinion. That's the right opinion, answer, Josh. You're right. But next question. No, I have a different opinion. It's uh, book two. Book two. Uh, anyway. Just all of it. Just, just all of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have a question for you, Adam, uh-huh. uh, from Sir Newt. Uh, did the players miss any cool ass loot? Or excuse me, did the players miss any really cool loot? <laughs> um, I just sound more gangster than that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they actually got loot that they weren't supposed to get because uh, you're not supposed Sweet. to get Zolan's armor. You know? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> which in- <laughs> that's right. That's it. There, Next yes. fucking question. <laughs> oh man. Um, Thanks, Adam. <laughs> oh my goodness okay very very quickly how did you how would you grade book three 48 out of 55 50 out of 55 50 out of 55 yeah okay. i think it was a little better than 48 it's a little bit of 87 percent you know well solid i'll it's take good. it it's good i'm not I, good with numbers and fractions so i'm gonna go with the letters and i'm gonna say it's an a minus okay yeah, I'm gonna have to go with an A on that for sure. Just solid regular ass A. Yep. Regular, a regular ass, ass. Better than an A minus. <laughs> oh, gotta one up me. It's, it's a point or two different. Yep. <laughs> I'm Josh. going with A minus as well. Okay. Yeah. Josh, Forty-eight out of fifty-five. Oh, you, you, <laughs> Sorry, straight, yeah, you went yeah. with the next classic. question. That's, that's, that's an honest classic. answer question. Classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't. Sorry. I don't get the grade shit. No. No, you're the host. No. Next question. Get out. Next question. I didn't realize I forfeited my fucking rights as yeah. a human yeah. being. It was in the first print. should have read it. It's in the Sorry. Fine print. There literally wasn't any. Next question. 
Um, I give it an A. Uh, <laughs> just a basic a ass A, huh? Just basic. <laughs> yep, just a, just <laughs> a regular, regular ass A. a. <laughs> you didn't you didn't like ace it, but you did good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Were there any plans that you guys had as players that did not come into fruition? Yeah, one and only one is I really wanted to have Half Red on as a crew member. Just to just to see how that would play out, she'd have probably died like Hash did. I was gonna say, yeah, you know how she would have played out. She would have died. <laughs> how do you how do you kill a blob exactly. of water? There's a squid inside. Adam would find She's a, a way. She's a fish inside of a blob po- of water. Pokemon just get knocked out. They don't Fair. die. <laughs> she would have fainted. <laughs> so would that mean that she falls under the creature companion rules? Oh, oh my god! No, no John. This is getting terrible. All right, no, next question. question. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Oh my goodness. Um, were there any expectations that you guys had going into book three, or, or I mean, I guess the AP as a whole that were not met or were defied? Going into the the very beginning of it, I really thought we would actually be doing a lot more with the. Azalanti Empire as a whole and not just this splinter cell of of rogue Azalanti. Yeah, I'm with Zach on that. Yeah. I thought 100%. we were gonna actually like be going more into the Azalanti star system. Yeah. I'm but not mad that we didn't. That, <laughs> yeah, I mean it makes sense. Like we're not going to New Thespera and like undermining the main level villain six, of seven characters universe. Like, <laughs> taking down the Aeon throne. It's just not gonna happen. Not in yeah. this AP. That yeah. AP will come in four more years. I just want to say, it is called against the Aeon Thank Throne, you. That's, which yeah. Zolan, Zolan, is. Zolan was is. against. That's the thing. Zol- yeah, it's, it's, it's referencing the bait and Zolan. switch, huh? Uh, can you drop that yeah. horn? Can you drop that horn? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's it's that you guys may or may not be against the Aeon Throne, but he definitely is. Totally. <laughs> totally. For eel. For, for sharks. Next question. Uh, <laughs> Next question. <laughs> okay. Just, just very quickly, we're talking about the whole AP here. Each one of you, what was your favorite book? One, two, or three? Two. One. 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 Three. Three. Nice. That's a nice three. even spread yep. there. Nailed it. That's a yeah. split. Next that's question. A, that's a split three ways in that the is. STF. I think opinion. that's a. I think that's an endorsement of the APA. Literally anything. Regular anything can be uh, an endorsement of the APA. Oh uh, y'all, we're getting into it now. Ooh, that's how we're getting I live into my this life. Truly. It, truly. I, I just endorse the APA when it's not called for. <laughs> how are you going to get it out there? You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been pushing that brand in. Guerrilla marketing son. for a while. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, bipolar pop tart, you motherfucker. Uh, okay, question for those of you in in the party who have not ever DM'd. Uh, why? So also, come on, don't you love fun? So I guess that's me and John. <laughs> that's says Commodore. Yeah, says yeah. Commodore. <laughs> I want to DM. I just don't have the fucking time. You don't oh. have the time. I, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have the fucking time. I would love to just for the just for the juiciness of like coming up with NPC voices and like interacting with the players and everything. I would fucking love to do to, that so bad. But to be fair, I lived with this motherfucker for like probably three years all in all and you must have just decided that today 
Because you never told me you wanted to DM uh, a fucking Yes, thing. I fucking have. Whenever we're ever in New Orleans with you All right, so and it's a Adam. new Patreon goal, $5,000 a month. Yes. If we hit that, John quits and his John job and he DMs the next show. Okay, yes, yes. There it is. $5,000. Sure. Come on, y'all can do it. That's walking around money, guys. Come on. That, does, that barely gets you into the pools of paradise. <laughs> barely. I'm, I'm interested in DMing, but not necessarily for the show. Um, like I, I've had. Well, that's that's not the question. Yeah. Well, no. I've. I've it's not about the show. I wanted to uh, DM Grimmer Space, like an in-person game here with some you know friends at work, and uh, have Emily on there. Oh, and stuff, nice. Grimmer Space would be pretty cool. I'm fucking I think ready. That's pretty whatever. Apropos. It's fine. I'm yeah, fucking still, ready. Still waiting for it. Um. <laughs> I, to, technically, I have DM'd. Uh, very little, but I have DM'd. Uh, I yep. DM'd Emily and John and Adam and a couple other people through so, uh, a 5e dungeon that was supposed to be six or seven dungeons, and stuff happened after the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that just a way? It just is. Uh, okay, question for those of you who have DM'd. Is it easier for you to cook up your own villains or use out-of-the-book baddies, and which do you prefer? That's from Porter Paladin. Yes, it um, is. I, I like cooking up baddies. I do. I think it's it's definitely easier to use out-of-the-book villains. Like, there's that's not even debatable. But it's certainly more fun if you can cook up your own... Um, you know, monsters and stuff like 100% that. 100% agree with that. Yes. Uh, I, I I don't know, man. Like, for me, because of my schedule and time availability, it's nice to have a, a kind of skeleton to build off of, without a doubt. Um, I have homebrewed a villain before, and it was awesome, but it took a lot of work and a lot of emotional taxation. I'm not going to lie, like creating uh, uh, Hobwell was a, this is, was a villain in our Storm King's Thunder game that I kind of built out of Josh's character's background. It was awesome, but it, it really weighed on me a lot playing, like, because I mean, I made that villain kind of like based on what I know about Josh, you know what I mean? And so like, it felt a little... I know that there was times it felt personal, you know, because mm-hmm. Josh's character didn't get to do a lot of shit during that mm-hmm. because because he was so connected to it. So I don't know it. It can be it can be difficult to to truly create and invest in a completely homebrewed like supervillain without like pushing it. And Truly. I think that's a difference. Um, I have never homebrewed a villain. I've only homebrewed monsters. And I think there's a vast difference there. So kudos on that. Hobwell was awesome. I only listened to that, but I enjoyed it. And yeah. I'd like to just go ahead and add, even though not ever DM'd, but at the same time, I do Yet. want to give a shout out at the fact that Paizo does have content and their supplementary books for grafting and yeah. uh, for homebrew content they, which yeah, is they really help you awesome. get the yeah. mechanics down yes. so you can you, you can come up with a concept for a villain and without having to be like a mathematician you can develop that stat block exactly with some very mm-hmm. fr- uh, user-friendly tools so little column a little column b that's the answer mm-hmm. next question that's a good question <laughs> yeah. next question good. 
Yeah, ne- next question. Bipolar Pop Tart again. I'm going to answer it. Don't even worry about it, guys. Who would win in a fight? Mike or Sigurd? Mike is level Sig. seven. Sig- that's for that's a crossover question from Hideous Tom Fooler. If you're not listening to it, go uh, dig find around. It. Go find, find it. it. Yeah. Go find it. Do do the work yourself, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> but the answer is Mike would win. He yeah, would school so Sigurd yeah. because he's, I mean, four, four levels, levels but, higher, yeah. you know? Yeah. And now, if the question is same level, the answer is Mike. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, Griffith, you uh, have next been question. called out. No, next question. <laughs> That'll be a really fun, like, bonus content thing. Oh, God. Just do a, do a we'll fight. do the boxing rules. Yeah, oh. the boxing rules, yeah. That's great. That's, oh, Love it. that's juicy. <laughs> Okay, uh, Jelly Corn Dog Death Machine. <laughs> Robin. <laughs> fucking, fucking Robin, we know who you are. Yeah. Uh, that, no, that was specifically because Josh asked her to change her name to Corn Dog Death Machine. Which is, I think, her nickname she from high school? She added the jelly. <laughs> Sometimes she, you gotta she, add no, that jelly, baby. No, it had to do with the, the live stream, it. right? <laughs> it was a bunch of nuns. It was, it was some insanity. Robin, thanks for playing along, though. Yeah, you're good people, Robin. Anyways, uh, rapid fire. <laughs> what are your worst fears? I know Zach's is spiders. But, well, yeah, I was gonna say like, just like corporate. But I also, I want to, I want to say like we have a whole AP that we're gonna explore those right. things, mm-hmm. right? True like, story. Well, but there's a difference in your fears there, and your that character's is true. fears. Yeah, yeah but yeah. but I did ask all of your fears as players too, right? To like try to layer some of that in there. Well, how about I'll answer this one because I'm almost certain that mine will not be. Uh, Penguins. I am, I have a legitimate phobia of penguins. (laughs) Emperor penguins are terrifying. Just wait until book three of Signal Screams when (laughs) Revenge of the Penguin. I got the question of penguins. (laughs) Turns out the Atlante Empire is behind this and the Emperor is a penguin. The signal is just is a penguin. The signal is just a bunch of penguins at the South Pole harmonizing. <laughs> cool. Cool. I quit. Thanks, guys. Bye. It was fun. All right. Next caller. Next question. <laughs> From Nusheo. This one's for Adam. Are there specific dates in Starfinder's timeline listed in the APs? If not, can it be assumed that all APs are happening at the same time? i.e. Attack of the Swarm happening at the same time as against the Aeon Throne. <sighs> okay, so like, timelines are a tricky thing. I will say, we do have one as a podcast. We do. We've we actually do have a just, just updated it. But I'm hesitant to like, hardcore say any date and time. Okay? Because like, the story's ever evolving. You know what I mean? And I don't want to lock myself out of anything. If I don't have to, but right. we have a general we have a general timeline of where things have happened, right? And as far as your question about the APs, I will say the APs that we run in our world are all going to exist in the same universe. So any any Starfinder AP that STF runs exists in the STF Starfinder universe, and so. As you've seen, there are already connections. I mean, Hacky Sack Heroes comes as a out of the Apollo Protection Agency arc. And then Zach has connected his character back to the Apollo Protection Agency arc. I mean, they are happening in sync with each other, you know. 
Uh, I don't know exactly where Attack of the Swarm lands on the timeline. I haven't made that decision yet, and I don't want to make that decision yet until I'm deeper into Attack of the Swarm to, you know, have have the freedom to tie it in where it would have the best place to tie it in. Uh, but yeah, so th- that's a that's a good question, um, show and and. Yes, it is in the same universe. That's really the only way I can answer it right now. That it, that, that, which, that they do exist in the same universe. Which yeah. leads us to the next question. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, bipolar Pop Tart, would you ever consider a crossover episode with either the crews from uh, Hacky Sack Heroes or Hideous Tom Foolery? I am sure some shenanigans would be had there. Well, the idea of making that all the uni- all the games connected in the same universe is to of course make for that possibility you know what i mean so i'm not going to force that but that's definitely there as as a thing that's out there as a potential you know and if if there becomes a moment where it like is going to be a cool moment where these things cross over the the groundwork's already laid for that to happen. And so mm-hmm. I, I am, <laughs> I'm optimistic that there'll probably be that, but I'm not going to force it ever either. You know, it's a good one. That's a, a good answer. Yep. Uh, next another, question. Another Robin. If your characters were fancy, exotic cuisines, what would they be? I think fell would be the most gourmet hot dog. <laughs> I love it. That's love a good it. answer. Yeah, that is. <laughs> That's a hot take. One would not be exotic cuisine, uh, being a human and whatnot, but he would be a delicious T-bone steak and a baked potato. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're very much a meat and potatoes kind of character. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Tall glass of whiskey. Exactly. Yeah. Some Glagavula. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, uh, you're saying that I am Oren. I am Oren. <laughs> this is Oren. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, Ziva would be like a niçoise salad and quail eggs or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ziva would be something incredibly French. Yeah. Well, the quail. I mean, that's it's, it's Frenchish, yeah. I guess. Yeah. What about Zeno? What would he have been? See, man, I- he'd be an R two E man. He would be whale polyps. Ready, ready to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See that that's the that I had so much trouble with this question. Thank you, but god damn it, it was such a challenge. Um and I still don't really have an answer for that one. And unfortunately, I mean like that one's really tough, like for Zeno. Like, okay, fancy exotic cuisine. I can't even think of a regular fucking cuisine for, for yeah. Next question. Yeah. Mike, what about Mike? No, 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 no. What, what is Mike? What is Mike's uh, there we go, yeah. personified yeah. meal? Uh, Whale polyps? No. What? I'm better than that. He likes, he likes whale polyps. Gator Fra Diablo? Fuck no. I'm not gonna, no, uh, I don't even know what that is. It's like a spicy, red sauce. it's a spicy red sauce pasta with gator meat. Let's call Mike Beef great. Wellington. Beef Wellington? <laughs> Crusty on the outside, tender on the inside. 
and <laughs> saucy, and saucy below. I think it's a good one. That's good. I like it. He's sure. tied up tight. Winner. Next question. You guys don't understand the ham horn, quite obviously. <laughs> no, we got nothing, it. We got this. Nothing hype about what you just said. <laughs> it was super hype, dude. <laughs> Uh, this the same fucking thing, basically. Uh, bipolar pop chart. If you had to use a beer or alcoholic drink to describe your character, what would they be? Oh, before I, he said before and after this AP. Oh I don't God. think we have time for that. Just I, what, can, I can lay it out. I can lay that out. I can do it quick. Okay. Josh first. Bud Light. <laughs> now a good rye whiskey. Nice. Okay. You think you've improved that much? Yes. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have Josh. So, so you would be a delusion IPA, whiskey uh, straight to whiskey sour. It, it, yeah, yeah, oh, I knew it was gonna be fucking nice. whiskey. Nice, yeah. nice. I like it. Like for Ziva, I imagine just like you know, like a Chardonnay or something like that, you know. But uh, for so for Zeno, um, I'd say like an after dinner wine before settling down for the night. Um, mm. And something light, but by the end of it, morphed into either like a thick stout um, that you can almost chew on, or um, something that sneaks up on you and hits you hard before you realize it. Fucking whoop juice. Okay, cool. Mind eraser. Yeah. Uh, so Ziva would start out simple but classy as a white Russian, I guess. Um, but at the end of this AP, like, there's not a lot to it, but it's like, all right, it's a little bit bougier than, you know, just vodka. Another Caucasian, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but no, the end of this AP, um, an aviation cocktail. Okay. I'm with it. If you're not familiar with it, Google it and you're welcome. See, I was thinking that you'd start out with, like, a Cape Cod and end up with a Cosmopolitan. Nah. I just feel like I'm whiskey as well, you know? Uh, okay. Nusheo again. Uh, would you have used the same characters for a, another level one AP like Dead Sons, or would you would you have made something different? Mm. Something different. Yeah, something different for sure. I'm not going to play the same one yeah. for you know, multiple games. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, no, I mean the question new- isn't it was a like what if. if you yeah. had already played this character... Like, but if would would the choice of AP have informed that? Decision? Yeah, it does. Every single time I make yeah. a character, it's based on the situation that we're going into. Yeah, yeah. If it was my first AP of Starfinder, I'd never played Starfinder. I would have still probably gone with Starship and Mystic because that was the most interesting class to me. But you know, now that I've played a, a year of Starfinder, of course I would choose something different to try out. I probably still would have been a soldier because n- nobody normally volunteers to be the tank. So, I maybe I wouldn't have been Mike, but I would have been the, the tanky boy. boy party. One AP, I'll, I'll, I'll be the tank. All right, I'll call dibs on the tank. Like in a, in a I, I have no interest in playing an envoy at all. Well, too bad. That's the next campaign. Oh, all envoys, brother. All we're envoy. doing it. I won't. I won't fucking be there. So Buffalo. <laughs> or or I'll take one envoy level on my everything else soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Who would do that? That's stupid. Definitely <laughs> not you. A significantly more effective character would. <laughs> um, okay. 
what I, I don't this is hard for me because like memory and I know it's gonna be hard for Josh uh, what crit card moment was the most satisfying I can answer that and that's from Tyler Flaming Mike or Jedi Oren yeah one of the others yeah I have to agree with both of those those yeah. were both those were the, yeah those were sick yeah for sure I, I know there was a couple crits in the fight at Third Eye Salvage that I can't recall, but there was, I mean, that was, <laughs> that was three episodes of combat, you know, so there was definitely some major crit moments there. But you just the, remember they were satisfying. Well, but the, but the flame, the flaming mic was, was just, yes, just, the wildness of it all yes. was just yeah. so much yeah. fun, you know? Yeah, for sure. That was probably the, the, that edged it out, even though, I was in the other fight. I still think that yeah, one. I think I think that was one's better. the yeah. most like, like visually memorable kind of yeah scenario. Yeah, crit specific. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so just just up, I'm not gonna even let you guys. I already know the answer to this. Okay, but if you ordered a Murgle burger <laughs> at the Space <laughs> Diner, what would it be like? That's a bond me all day. Nah, man. man. That's a bond me. Just burger. thick with two That's C's. A bond me. I'm thinking just like fried squid with some onion on it and a little bit of mayo. What's with good. all these food questions? Know, like, we good. got a lot. We got it's a like, lot. Why do y'all, y'all, why do y'all to want go, to know what we think listen, about food? Next time, next, next time we ask for listener questions, I want you guys to go eat your dinner first. Mm. And go then, get your groceries. Yeah, go eat. Your guys are hungry, and I'm worried about you. Go eat. <laughs> Some of these are a month old. <laughs> They've had, they yeah. better be They've been yeah. hungry. Come on, guys. All right, a sandwich. So, so a sandwich. That's, look, that's, that's all the listener questions we're going to do tonight. If I missed one, I'm sorry, but we probably already covered it, honestly. So... All right, so we did the live stream before the release of the three-episode finale, and that was a really fun experience, and I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who tuned into that, and thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast first season. Um, where's it at? Snaps it and at? claps. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Uh, as we've said many times, the community has been the most rewarding aspect of being a part of this project. Um, that that's I don't think any one of us could possibly disagree with that. No, it's just the no. best. Cheers yeah. to all of you. Cheers, cheers. Yeah, you guys cheers. Are to you. Uh, I'd also like to thank Paizo for putting together PaizoCon Online. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, Things were Super really cool. kind of up in the air because of COVID-19, and it was so cool that they were able to still host such a cool and interactive event and generate a lot of hype about announcements of new content, mm-hmm. you know, considering the circumstances. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and, the, and, and the, the AMAs were so cool. Like, that was yeah. such a yeah. cool thing to, to do, you know. So much so much interesting insight. The, uh, the spirit was still there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it was great. Yeah, well, and that was really cool to see is that there was still so much interest and so much care and attention to detail involved in that whole project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, once again, thanks to you, listeners. I can't say it enough times. We couldn't have made it this far without you, and frankly, we probably wouldn't want to if it wasn't for your engagement and your encouragement. Uh, I think I speak for the whole group when I say that we couldn't be more excited to have you aboard the Epic Tracer with us as we attempt to navigate our way through the Signal of Screams and Beyond. And lastly, 
Gotta say thanks to Ron Lundeen, Eleanor Farron, and Larry Wilhelm for writing the books that have made up the Against the Aeon Throne AP. Mm-hmm. For, yeah. Yes, for yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Thank you everybody for being a part of this yeah. from start to finish. It was so just, much fun. You, you guys, you're just, you're doing great. You're all doing, doing great. great. You're all doing great. They're doing awesome. <laughs> doing awesome. <laughs> you're doing better than great. Doing awesome. Seriously, yeah. thank you for listening to us talk about this for so long. Thank you for listening to us play this for so long. I, I am so excited for season two. So excited. Yeah. As, I mean, so say we all. Yeah, there you In, go. So say we all. Agreed. Concur. For show. No, you have to say it. You have to say yeah. it. So, yeah. so, so say, say we all. Yeah. Or, or your kids. So say we all. <laughs> Uh, anyways, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in to another Tom Talks. We'll see you next month. We'll see you. 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 I just waved. Like people can see me. <laughs> Emily, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs>